The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Living Natural Today, out with toxins, in with your health. Your host is Teresa Jungling. Although not a doctor, Teresa's extensive research enabled her to take control of her health after unexplainable health symptoms began taking a toll on her life. What Teresa has learned and what will be discussed with experts on today's show will undoubtedly help you too. Join us now for an hour that could quite literally change your life. Now, here's Teresa. Hello and welcome to Living Natural Today, Out with Toxins, In with Your Health, where we come every week to share resources for minimizing toxins in order to live a healthier lifestyle. I'm your host, Teresa Jungling, and I'm excited to be here with you today. I'm someone who's passionate about toxins in our food, environment, personal care products, homes, and more because they've harmed my own health, and I want to inform you so you don't have to go down the same road that I did. With that being said, I know that um, with, during this time of year, Many of you are in the midst of Christmas get-togethers and parties. And for those of us who eat gluten-free, I know that that can sometimes pose a challenge. So I thought it'd be appropriate to talk to someone who's an advocate for celiac disease and who is also um, has a lot of experience with eating gluten-free, and that's none other than the gluten-free gal. Uh, Kirsten uh, Berman truly is the gluten-free gal. Kirsten has a BFA from Illinois State and is undergoing a master's program from, or for nutrition science. She was diagnosed with celiac disease in December of 2010, and it changed her life forever. Kirsten started Gluten-Free Rehab to help individuals maneuver through the overwhelmingly confusing gluten-free and celiac lifestyle as seamlessly as possible. She teaches how to be gluten-free safely in your home, at work, grocery shopping, special occasions, and the do's and don'ts of ordering while eating out. She also works with companies, restaurants, staff, and kitchens, advising on the dangers of cross-contamination and what celiac safe food really means. Kirsten is a gluten-free and healthy living consultant, celiac advocate, and freelance health writer. Her mantra is ditch the deep, live the lifestyle, and her goal is to change the American food system one person at a time. So thank you so much for joining me. Hi, how are you? Great, great. I'm looking forward to the show. It should be a great show discussing some some gluten-free tips. So, you know, sure. I, I've, been, I've been following you for a while on social media, and you provide some great um, tips and articles and resources for those of us who have to be, eat gluten-free. So thank you for that. Um, I just want to let you know, personally, you know, I'm someone who believes that today's wheat is toxic to our body because I know what it's done to my own body. I don't have celiac disease, but a few years ago, I developed a, a wheat allergy and now I realize I also have a gluten sensitivity. Since um, finding out about the allergy, I, I stayed away from wheat because of the, you know, I'd get a life-threatening reaction uh, when I consumed it. So when I went to restaurants, I typically would ask for their gluten-free menu because most of them um, knew what that meant. I should say not all of them, but most of them knew what that meant. And um, and it's it's grown nowadays too. So, but I, I wasn't always 
so concerned about the cross-contamination with gluten and stuff, but now I've realized I, I do need to stay away from the gluten also. So I'm, you know, I'm excited to learn about your story and, and able to, to give the audience some tips about eating gluten-free. So, so with that being said, let's just jump right in. So if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I've been, um, like you said, I, I was diagnosed uh, in uh, December of 2010, and um, I'm not really sure when, how long I've had celiac disease for. Um, I do know that it was really triggered in 2003, and I started uh, getting sick slowly, and, uh, and, I was about, and I was sick for about seven years uh, before I was finally diagnosed. Um, and it was, it was a hard year. It's, it's, it's hard going to doctor to doctor and people telling you that you're crazy or nothing's wrong or can't figure it out. And, um, and so I, I started, because after I got diagnosed, uh, I started researching celiac disease and gluten-free, and it has changed my life. And now I'm going back to school to um, become a registered dietitian and get my master's in nutrition science. That's great. That's great. Yep. Use your experiences to help others. Um, exactly. Yeah. Can you explain to us, um, I, I want to get around to your website and things like that, but first off, can you explain to us what celiac disease is? Uh, well, celiac disease is a genetic and hereditary autoimmune disease. It's not an allergy, which people think um, it is. Uh, wheat allergy is actually uh, quite rare. So, wow, for you, I'd like to discuss that with you at some point. Um, and what it does is it damages the intestine and kills the little finger-like projections that line the intestinal wall called the villi. And these villi are necessary for the proper absorption of vitamins and minerals that are, are essential to the body's health. And once they stop working, that can lead to malabsorption and really serious side effects. And it can also even, if untreated, it can lead to different autoimmune diseases, correct? Yes, it can uh, open its left untreated celiac disease can lead to 300 plus autoimmune diseases as well as diabetes, cancer. Um, it's, it's a pretty fierce disease and it not only attacks the intestine, it also it can attack any part of the, of the body. I also dealt with gluten ataxia, which deals with the brain and um, leaves you extremely foggy, off balance, um, mental instability, um, and and it can it can attack the skin, it can attack any of the organs, your joints. So that's why there's so many symptoms, and um, doctors are left really really confused. Right, right, and it there's so many different variables too because celiac is different from a gluten sensitivity or wheat sensitivity and now what is there there's non-celiac wheat or gluten sensitivity there all sorts of terms are coming out for all these different variations um right i think i think doc this is this is something new and um i think you know more and more people daily are hit with it and mm-hmm. with gluten sensitivity or celiac disease and doctors doctors really don't know what it is. They don't know what causes it, and um, it's still one of the last things that is being checked when people go in with issues, even small issues like a sinus problem. A doctor isn't normally going to just say, okay, let's, let's test for celiac disease. 
But right. something as simple as a sinus problem can be caused because of celiac. Right. Okay. Um, now we, we throw out the term gluten-free and gluten. So can you tell us what exactly is gluten? Gluten is a complex com- uh, composite of proteins that's found primarily in grains such as wheat, rye, barley, and it's responsible for the uh, elasticity in dough, and it binds the ingredients together like glue. Um, and it's, that's why it's, wheat is primarily in so many products because of this dough-like, and it's used as a filler. It's, wheat is, is so inexpensive and cheap that people use it, companies use it for everything from um, binding food products to also they use it in plastics and um, lip balms and Play-Doh even, it's across the board. It's just used as a cheap filler, which I think is another reason why people are, are reacting to it so much. And um, when it's used as a cheap filler, it's, there's less vitamins in it, and it's, it's really just equated with adding more sugar to, to your food. Okay. Yep. Um, now, you had described some of your symptoms that you did uh, get with the, the brain fog and the, the different things going on with the brain. Um, can you tell us some other symptoms that people with celiac um, might receive? I mean, there's so many, I know, with the bloating and, and things like that. Can you, can you give some different symptoms? Um, well, there's, there's, like I said, there's, there's so many symptoms, and more and more symptoms are coming out. Um, nausea, vertigo, um, ADD, um, and lack of focus. Uh, infertility or miscarriages, uh, extreme fatigue, uh, failure to thrive, cold sores, serious depression, joint pain, migraines, um, indigestion, diarrhea, constipation, vitamin deficiencies, uh, mental instability. The list just keeps going and going and going. Yeah, and that's, like you said, it, it makes it hard to really pinpoint that celiac is the cause of, of all of that because um, exactly. there are so many. My, a cousin, my cousin uh, had psoriasis all his life, and um, after I was diagnosed, he, he started to live gluten-free, and for the first time in his life, his psoriasis completely cleared up, and he hasn't had a problem, knock on wood, for over three years now. That's great. I've, I've heard similar stories to that, too, how gluten has affected people's body, and once they start to take it away, the um, symptoms deteriorate or, you know, lessen, I guess. So I, mm-hmm. on your website, you have a picture, I don't know if it's on your about page, I can't remember, but of your belly when it gets bloated and stuff, and I can totally relate to that, and I even just recently over Thanksgiving had that similar thing happen where, you know, it just blows up if you've been exposed to, to something um, wrong that way and, and eventually goes down, but I totally can relate to those, those images. Um, yeah, that was, that was, <laughs> that was it, probably one of the most embarrassing posts I ever, I ever uh, wrote about, but <laughs> I think, I think it was, uh, it's something that people need to see, to visually see. And for me personally, it's what people don't understand. It's, it's just a few crumbs. It doesn't, you don't have to eat something. You don't have to eat a piece of bread. It can just be a few crumbs from somebody's knife that, that they use the same peanut butter and use their um, regular bread, and then you use it on your gluten-free bread. And within 
five minutes time, I know that I've eaten something because my stomach will, will raise to look about three months pregnant. Yep. And um, it's embarrassing, especially if you're on a date or you're out and then you start to feel sick and uh, it, it, it's, it's a problem with, especially with cross-contamination. That's, that's a huge issue. It is definitely. And in the second segment, I want to get into the cross-contamination. I want to get into the tips. If you're cooking at home, I want to get into talking about restaurants and things like that. So um, yeah, we're going to definitely dive more into that topic too. So um, for you personally, you know, I, I know on your website too, you talk, you talk about people asked you, well, why did, what triggered this or what brought this on? You know, it, it was, um, I don't know how old you were when this was, but it wasn't like a childhood disease or anything like this. So if not, you can... Um, not that I'm aware of. Uh, when I was younger, I, I was a really picky eater. And I have talked to several doctors who said that it can affect you when you're younger and then you can um, not necessarily grow out of it, but it can affect you less. Um, and then in 2003, I was living in Central America and I had a really bad... E. coli outbreak, which shut down my intestines for two weeks. And after that, I never was the same. And and I think that was uh, the big trigger for my adult onset of celiac disease symptoms um, because I was in a steady decline pretty much after that incident. And you hear of of women um, who, after they give birth, they are now afflicted with celiac disease. It's been triggered because of that trauma done to their intest- their lower their lower region. Um, mm-hmm. and also stress or or some kind of serious trauma can can trigger it. We're really not sure, but uh, I believe that that's what triggered mine. Right. Okay. So now you have gotten better or you know how to handle it now, but um you had mentioned, I guess, initially, did you do an elimination diet and try to eliminate trigger foods in addition to gluten foods? Uh, well, what I did is, is when, when I was diagnosed, I, I had no idea what gluten-free or celiac disease was, and I don't really think my doctor did either because uh, he did not give me any type of helpful information. Um, so I had to... I had to do all the research on my own, and um, I went strictly gluten-free. And uh, then I, what I did is, is for the first 30 days, I did uh, a strict, just fresh food uh, diet. I just, I ate nothing processed, nothing out of a bag. Um, I ate lots of fresh fruits and vegetables to clean out my intestines and to, to help them heal, and fresh meats. Uh, limited my meats. Um, I, I limited my dairy. Uh, I did not eat oats or um, corn, uh, sugar. It really just was very, very healthy um, foods just to, to start rebuilding my body, which I think is, is very important. Uh, and I think, I think people don't do. They, they go from regular food to gluten-free food and I think um, that can also bring on other allergies if, if once you eliminate the gluten, your body is so sensitive that 
uh, and is rebuilding that I think that if you don't take that time to really replenish your body with the vitamins that it needs and, and eat whole foods, that it can bring on other problems um, and allergies to other foods. Luckily, I don't... Luckily, gluten is, is the main, my main problem, um, and, and corn. I, I don't eat very much corn because corn has similar effects uh, on me as, as gluten does, surprisingly okay, think, enough. Right, right, and that's an important, um, and that could have been my problem years ago, what had happened to me, but, and now I know better too, but it, it's very important advice that you give that um, you need to heal your whole gut you know, right from the start, because you could create some other problems if you, if you yeah, don't take I, those first steps. Yeah, I think that's, that's a, big, uh, a, big, a, big, um, a big thing for people that they need to do is, is to really, you know, especially the first few months, is really just concentrate on healing your body because you, you don't know how long you've been sick for. And I don't think anybody can pinpoint how long you have been sick for. And so really taking the time... To, uh, and, and the effort to heal your body uh, will only benefit you afterwards. Definitely, sure. yes, yes. Now, you had discussed, you know, gluten does harm within our intestines, the, the villi within our intestines and the digestive tract. Can you explain that a little bit more of how, what exactly is going on there, how the gluten does affect us? Uh, well, what happens is when you, when you eat gluten... The, our immune system, there's two, two sides to our immune system, the innate and the adaptive. And what happens when you eat gluten is the innate is the first to get to the scene to try to, because it sees the gluten as an invader and tries to take down the invader. When it can't, it brings in the adaptive, and the adaptive then takes over and tries to defeat the gluten invader. But for some reason, there's, a miscommunication between, between the two um, systems. And so instead of attacking the gluten, it starts attacking the body. And it starts attacking the villi and starts killing off the villi and attacks other parts of the body. And that's another reason why it can attack anywhere uh, possible. Um, and then once the... Once you start hammering your intestine and, and you start killing off the villi, the gluten then pushes through in, through the intestine into the body and then starts traveling. It attaches itself to messenger cells and starts traveling through the body. And um, and uh, the reason why it, it affects other places and your joints because um, it can just nestle anywhere. Okay. Okay. Um, does that make sense? Did I help you? Yeah. <laughs> to answer your question. Yeah. No, it, it does. Thank you. Um, yeah, it, it's amazing how damaging it can be. So um, we are going to break here for a commercial break, a quick break. And after the break, I do want to talk about um, what types of products gluten can be found in. If there's like hidden gluten or hidden wheat in products, and then I, I want to get into the the tips for people if we're eating, um, you know, during Christmas get-togethers and things like that, and also um, eating out even at restaurants. So sure. we, like I mentioned, we do have to take a short break, but when we come back, we'll continue to talk to Kirsten about eating gluten-free. Um, while we're away, be sure to tweet 
Hashtag LNT Radio. If you have a comment or question, and, and even if you aren't listening to it live, we'll answer your question on a later episode. We look forward to talking with you in just a few moments. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Teresa Jungling of Living Natural Today is a fierce advocate for health and wellness. She knows firsthand how one's health can be damaged as a result of toxins, stress, and an unhealthy diet. To learn more about how toxins can impact your health, please visit her website at www.livingnaturaltoday.com. Sign up to receive her free newsletter and, as her gift to you, receive a free guide chock full of useful resources, including links to real food bloggers and recipes, information on organic standards, GMOs, chemicals, recommended safe products, and much more. If you are someone who wants to minimize your exposure to toxins in and around your home or are someone who simply wants to live a more natural and healthy lifestyle, then Living Natural Today's 14-day program to better health is for you. In this 14-day program, you'll receive practical steps and recommendations that will help root out toxins in your food, home, personal care products, and more. With daily email guidance, videos, and detoxification tips, this program is sure to open your eyes and transform your health. Sign up today at livingnaturaltoday.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Living Natural Today, out with toxins, in with your health. To reach Teresa or her guests on the show, please tweet using hashtag LNT Radio. You may also send an email to radio at livingnaturaltoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, everyone. I'm Teresa Jungling. Thank you for joining us. I'm back with my guest today, Kirsten Berman of glutenfreegal.com. And we're going to continue our discussion about eating gluten-free. So um, before break, I had mentioned that I wanted to talk about some products that gluten can be found in. We're also going to discuss some um, tips for eating out at this time of year and really any time of the year. And then also um, if you're at get-togethers or if you are at restaurants or cooking at home. So we're, we're going to get into some of those tips now. But first off, uh, Kristen, I want to ask you what type of products or what are the typical products that gluten can be found in? Well, uh, generally, breads, pastas, pastries, anything that has wheat in it um, is, is, is going to not be gluten-free. Um, you also have to worry about um, sauces or dressings, uh, multivitamins. I know my multivitamin had gluten in it. The coating was made of gluten, uh, sometimes aspirin coatings, medications. Uh, cough syrup, cough drops, lip balms, um, products that say gluten-free, but they're made uh, in a, a wheat facility using shared equipment, depending on how, um, how careful they are. Uh, candy, such as licorice, yeast, can have uh, wheat in it, can be wheat-based. So things like that, it, that's why it's so, so, so important to always, always read labels. 
always, always read labels. Definitely. And, and some of those uh, items that you mentioned, like you said, could include almost hidden wheat or hidden gluten because you wouldn't think your medicine, you know, or, or even skincare that you're using or, you know, your, sh- your shampoo, things like that would include yeah, people don't, gluten. People don't think to, when they buy lip balm, they don't think to look at the ingredients to see if, if it's wheat-based. And um, half the time there is wheat in it because it's used as a, it's used as a filler. And a binder. Okay. And even um, natural flavors. I know that that term can cover a whole lot of different things, but gluten could even be in that, correct? Yes. Um, and surprisingly enough, uh, after talking to many, many companies and, and, and uh, ask calling to see what their natural flavors contained, you'd be surprised at how many companies aren't even sure what their natural flavors contain. Uh, they buy their natural flavors from China or some outsource it, and they're not even sure. And so they can't give you a definitive answer. Uh, a, a pickle company I had called had said that. They, they told me they weren't sure. They outsourced their natural flavors, so they couldn't really be specific on what was in it, which is a little scary. Um, yeah, that's And you I was also have say. to worry about, you know, certain, certain words like gum-based or modified food starch, um, MSG is uh, gluten, um, starches, thickeners, or thickening agents, caramel color, things like that that you're not sure what, what is actually the base of the product or the ingredients. Okay, so any of that could, could have gluten in it. So, yep, definitely have to be on the lookout, and that's why it can be tricky when you first switch over to a gluten-free diet to... Um, it's a it's a, a learning curve in the beginning for sure to learn what you can and cannot eat. So I remember back to those days when I when I started and I, things are different today because there's a lot more awareness about gluten free and and you go to the stores and you'll see more gluten free options and things like that. But I remember that a few years ago when I had to switch over, it was like oh it's you know trying to to learn everything and to realize what you can and can't you know have. It, it was difficult at the time. So now, even though something does say it's gluten-free on it, it doesn't always mean it's healthy, correct? Oh, of course not. And I think that's, that's a definite misconception in, in our world today is that gluten-free equates healthy. And that is absolutely not true. Uh, a lot of products are corn and rice-based, which have really no nutritional value to them whatsoever. They are filled with sugar uh, and artificial ingredients. And if you're going, if you're eating a processed food diet, a lot of people are just going from processed food to gluten-free processed food, which does absolutely nothing to heal the body. And I think that's a, that's a misconception that people really need to um, get out of their brain. And I think that people equate it with healthy because when after going gluten-free, they may lose weight, um, their skin gets bright, and they, you know, a lot, of, a, a lot of positive things happen. But the truth of the fact is, is that when you go gluten-free, you're really giving up your cake and your cookies, and when you're standing in the line of Starbucks, you're not grabbing one of the pastries. You're, you, you're giving up a lot of the foods that you were eating previously, so naturally, you might lose a little weight, and so people think, oh, well, I'm going to do this as a diet to lose some weight, which 
that's not how gluten-free works. Gluten-free is a lifestyle. It's not a diet. And um, I think that um, you really have to, it, it's about eating more healthy foods because um, you have to keep in mind that your body is sick. And so to equate healthy with gluten-free, I think, is a very dangerous dangerous state of mind for, for someone to, to go in thinking of that. Very well said. Very well said. Thank you. So what are, you know, as we talk about the gluten-free foods and, and, and some alternative options. So um, if you are baking something and you're not going to use traditional wheat flour anymore, what, what types of ingredients can you use instead? Well, rice and potatoes obviously are always naturally gluten-free. Um, but there's more ancient grains that are, are available that offer um, a lot more uh, vitamins and minerals as well as high protein such as teff flour. You have sorghum. You have more and more bean flours coming out on the market. You have coconut flour, millet. Um, there's a lot more options available out there that are actually exponentially healthier than wheat is, uh, what wheat has become. And so even not eating gluten-free, I think starting to use these other flours is, is generally just all around healthier for people. I believe so too, yes. So now I, I do want to, well, just because you mentioned it really quickly, I just want to ask you a quick question. Um, can you explain or, or even just give a little bit of an overview? Is, is wheat processed differently today than it was years ago? You know, I know our wheat is different today than our grandparents would have eaten years ago. Um, are, are there different processes being done or, or what can we, how can we equate that as the wheat being different today? Well, the wheat's different today. Um, it's a shorter strand of wheat um, that they use today to produce more yield. And uh, so that might have to do with it. Um, GMOs, all the, the, the pesticide, the Roundup that they use on the wheat, um, it can also be an issue. Um, there's a lot of questions regarding why wheat has become such an issue and a problem today. And there's a lot of finger pointing that might be, that is going on. And I don't think that as of right now, anyone can really or wants to really say that, you know, this is the definitive reason and this is the definitive reason. Um, I think that, you know, wheat is used in so many products across the board today. And, um, and it's, it's not healthy. It's in, it's in a lot of the processed food. And so your wheat is, is, doesn't, have isn't they have to fortify it they have to add in vitamins because they process them all out and then they're adding them in but then they're also using it's also mixed with high fructose corn syrup and sugar and all these other ingredients and so you know is it is it the wheat that's bad is it the wheat mixed with all these ingredients as well that's bad i think it's it's something that just needs more studies and, and research done today, but I think just a general overuse of it um, is is what is getting people more and more uh, sick from mm -hmm. it. Yeah, like you said, so many so many different variables can go into that, and like you said, just the 
overuse of it and every product's out there. So um, now I want to get into some some fun things and and some tips that people can take away when they are at home baking. So are there some tips that you can share um, as they're getting together and getting ready to, to, you know, bake these big meals for parties and things like that? Um, I guess I want to go over tips for baking at home. And I also want to um, go over tips if you're going out to like a friend's house or get together, something like that. And then after that, I want to talk about the restaurants. So if you can just give us a couple of tips, that would be great. Well, I'm not a big baker. I, I, uh, Me neither. <laughs> my, my, my first year after going gluten-free, I literally baked the whole year and taught myself how to bake gluten-free because it is, like you said, there, there, even just a few years ago, there really weren't any products available. Mm-hmm. Um, you couldn't just go to the store and buy a gluten-free all-purpose flour. You had to make it yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's not easy baking for yourself. If you're making your own all-purpose gluten-free flour, you can't just use one flour. And that's the big difference when it comes to gluten-free baking is you have to use a myriad of different flours together as well as starches and um, xanthan gum um, to make sure that it has that same elasticity uh, and, and, and to the dough and the, the rising quality. Um, I definitely recommend if you're if you if you're uh, an amateur baker like myself, to start with a really good uh, all-purpose gluten-free flour uh, for your for your baking uh, to make it easier for you uh, instead of trying to use mix this and mix this and mix this all these ingredients and then have your baked good come out bad. Um, um, but for for when you're <clears throat> when you're working the batter uh, with xanthan gum, uh, a corn-based xanthan gum is is used as a stabilizer and a thickener in gluten-free baked goods and sauces and dressings and stuff. And once this ingredient is added, you don't want to overwork the dough because it can give it a really slimy, gummy kind of texture, and it causes it to lose flavor. So uh, that's that's one big tip. And a substitute, a good substitute for xanthan gum is ground psyllium seed husk, uh, which is gluten-free. And that's uh, actually um, better and healthier for you than, than xanthan gum. And a lot of people, more and more gluten-free people are trying to stay away from xanthan gum. Hmm. Um, okay. And you also, if you're using, um, you, you want to start your, with your eggs and your butter, you always want to start them at room temperature. Um, or put cold eggs in warm water for a minute um, because the, the, the egg whites will whip up fluffier. Okay. okay. And then also in addition to those tips, you know, if you're the only one gluten-free in your home, just to avoid the cross-contamination and to use separate, uh, you, you know, bowls and dishes and all of that kind of stuff, correct? Take extra precaution yeah. with all of that. In a in a, in a shared household, a shared household cross contamination becomes a huge problem, and I think it's something that people don't really think about all the time, especially when you're just beginning. Um, and so, you know, separate toasters or ver- being very careful with shared toasters. If, if if somebody's a wheat person, making sure that you always use tin foil or put it on a pan as well as your oven. 
Um, and then you have, you know, things, utensils and pots and pans, um, a, uh, a cutting board, things like that that people are sharing, or foods like butter. Um, if, if, you know, your roommate or husband comes in and he butters his bread with, with you know, using with regular his gluten bread and he's putting his knife on the butter, putting it on the bread and back in the butter and he's leaving cream, uh, crumbs in that, and you're coming along and using that, and you're, those minuscule crumbs, depending upon how sensitive you are, um, that, that will definitely get you sick. Or peanut butter or jelly or things of that nature are, are definitely something that, that needs to, um, you need to keep in mind. Or counter crumbs, making sure that if somebody's using the counter and making sandwiches with their regular bread, make sure that they wash it down or that you come in and that you wash it down and making sure that there's nothing left um, so you're not getting sick. Yep, those are all great because, yeah, the peanut butter and jelly, things like that, butter, like you mentioned, are shared in a household and, yeah, you want to make sure to keep things like that separate for the cross-contamination. Now, and if people... Gluten-free oh. labels are great. I have gluten-free labels and... Um, I saw uh, that on your website. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, uh, Kelly from Gluten-Free Labels is amazing, and she has all types of different labels that you can put on, on foods, uh, your toaster, food uh, containers that you're taking to work, if you're putting in a refrigerator at work, or shared products. Um, that's a great way to say, hey, this is my food. Make sure you don't stick your gluten knife in it or, or your, you know, your gluten fingers. Right. Definitely. So, yep, that's a good good idea to, to get uh, the tags like that and to put it on things. Now, if we, if people are going out now to restaurants and um, getting together that way, I know that it's, you know, more restaurants are, are offering gluten-free menus. I don't know if all of them. I know that um, we had the National Foundation for Celiac Awareness on uh, Kristen Voorhees a few weeks ago, and, and I know they have a, a program that they're putting restaurants through, but I don't know how many restaurants have actually gone through their program to um, teach them how to, to provide gluten-free meals properly and everything. But I, I know you can always call ahead, and I always look online at the menus and things like that, but are there other uh, tips that you should do when you're at a restaurant? What should you ask your, your waiter or your waitress? regarding gluten-free? Well, what you want to do is you always want to be specific and, and don't be afraid. Uh, people, people when, they, when they go out to eat, some people tend, tend to get embarrassed, um, especially in gluten-free and people don't necessarily take you as serious as they should um, or they, you could tell that they're rolling their eyes. Um, and so it's, it's very important to be specific and to not be afraid to, this is your health, so not to be afraid to defend your health and say, listen, I'm a medical celiac, this is serious. And I've gone as far as telling people, you know, you have to trust me on this because I'm going to throw up and pass out on your table, you know, right. just, just to give them a shock factor so they're like, oh, okay, this is a serious fact. This isn't somebody who's just coming in and <clears throat> is, wants to eat gluten-free just to eat gluten-free. Right. So you need to really ask, ask the waiter about the foods, what's in the food, and not, not just trust that little gluten-free, the little gluten-free label that's on it. 
And if they don't give you the answers, then ask the manager. Ask to see the manager or ask to see the chef. Um, making sure that you call ahead. Um, I, for instance, one time I was in Chicago and I, they had a gluten-free menu. And I was asking about the nachos and um, the corn chips. And the, the waitress was like, oh, no, yeah, it's totally gluten-free. And I said, well, I don't mean, I don't mean to be a pain, but do you mind, can you please just check the bag or whatever you use to just make sure? And she, she, I could see that she rolled her eyes, and it, it, it annoyed me. But she came back, and she said, you know what? I'm so sorry. I apologize. You're right. The, the corn chips have wheat in them. Mm-hmm. And I said, thank you very much. And that's a perfect example of you can't, you can't think that the person that, who is making your food or you're ordering your food knows more about your disease than you do. Right. You have to know that. And you can't be afraid to ask questions. What is in this product? How, how is it prepared in the kitchen? Is it separate? Is it on separate pans? Um, even pasta, if, if, you know, is the pasta cooked in separate water? Because it sometimes it's boiled in the same water, and, and the heat, it doesn't boil the gluten out. The gluten is still, is still there. Um, so just being very, very specific uh, when you're asking questions to the waiter. That's good advice, and I know that I have to do that too, where they sometimes have to go back to the kitchen again, and they, you know, they check with the chef, or they bring the chef out, or they you know, are reading through the ingredients just to... To make sure, because for me, it's like I do not want wheat at all in anything. So, um, exactly. Yeah, it is. And I went to a restaurant recently, and it was it had a really small kitchen, and they had a few gluten-free items. And I, I had talked to the manager, and he went back into the kitchen and said, uh, "Well, for a medical celiac, I wouldn't recommend eating at our, a eating in our kitchen." And I said, "Excuse me, you have gluten-free all over your menu." He said, "Yes, but it's a very small kitchen, and the chef." Uh, can't guarantee that anything coming out of the kitchen won't be cross-contaminated. Well, at least they were honest. We appreciate exactly, that for that's sure. That's what I said. I said, thank you for your honesty. We will eat somewhere else. Right, right. So, yep, you don't want to risk it that way. So I, I do want to ask, um, I, I want to find out more about your website and, and your business and, and how you're helping people. So if you can um, let us know, you know, your website is glutenfreegal.com, and I, I do... Um, I get a kick out of your website because you, you share some cartoons and things like that. You um, try to bring some humor into the, the issues that, that uh, people with celiac disease or, or gluten sensitivities might encounter or experience. So can you tell us um, about what you do and what your website's all about? Well, Gluten-Free Gale is, is uh, definitely about celiac disease and gluten-free, but it's also about healthy living because I think that that that's important to have people understand, especially um, like about vitamin deficiencies. Vitamin deficiencies um, are something that people with celiac disease suffer from because the villi, once the villi is, is um, damaged, it stops absorbing the vitamins. And I think that some, defic- some vitamin deficiencies can mask themselves as gluten symptoms. You think that you've eaten something that you're not supposed to eat, but instead you have a deficiency because your body isn't absorbing the vitamins. So I think um, my website is, is there to educate about a, a complete circle about celiac disease, about 
what it is, but also how to live healthy and, and how to deal with living healthy with celiac or with gluten sensitivities day to day and educating people about that. And I think that's really important. That is, and you, you do a great job with it. And then you also write on other uh, blogs and, and for other online publications, so um, providing a ton of information. Is there, um, before I ask you how else the audience can contact you, is, is there like a one tip you can give somebody who has to, you know, somebody's been diagnosed with celiac, and I know we talked about, um, you know, fixing your gut before going forward, but if they want to start a gluten-free diet, um, what would be your your one tip to to get them started because it can be overwhelming. Is it like just read the labels or be prepared going out? Well, I have two tips. One is definitely do your research. Uh, Don't count on anybody else to know more about your disease than you do. And number two is always, always, always read labels. If you can't read labels, then ask questions. And if you do not get the answers that you're looking for, then do not eat it. It's better to be safe than sorry in the end. Definitely. So, well, that's great. Can you um, tell us where they can find you on social media? Sure. Um, um, at on Twitter, I am Kirsten Berman GF, and um, on Instagram, Gluten Free Gal One, and Facebook, it's Gluten Free Guide to Life. Um, and I do gluten free rehab for for newbies, and um, I also do uh, Skype consultations as well. Which Great. You can find all that information on my website, glutenfreegal.com. Right. <laughs> yeah, I encourage people to go there definitely to check it out. So, well, I, I really appreciate you coming on with me today, and and um, I've enjoyed talking with you and, and learning some more about um, eating gluten free and and tips and and things like that. And I know that the audience will find this valuable too. So, thank you, Kristen, for for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you, Teresa, for having me. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's time for us to take another break, but. Again, I want to thank Kristen for joining me today. And don't go away because coming up, we're going to talk about some current events. You're listening to Living Natural Today, Out With Toxins, In With Your Health on Voice America. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. If you are someone who wants to minimize your exposure to toxins in and around your home, or are someone who simply wants to live a more natural and healthy lifestyle, then Living Natural Today's 14-day program to better health is for you. In this 14-day program, you'll receive practical steps and recommendations that will help root out toxins in your food, home, personal care products, and more. With daily email guidance, videos, and detoxification tips, this program is sure to open your eyes and transform your health. Sign up today at livingnaturaltoday.com. Teresa Jungling of Living Natural Today is a fierce advocate for health and wellness. She knows firsthand how one's health can be damaged as a result of toxins, stress, and an unhealthy diet. 
To learn more about how toxins can impact your health, please visit her website at www.livingnaturaltoday.com. Sign up to receive her free newsletter and as her gift to you, receive a free guide chock full of useful resources, including links to real food bloggers and recipes, information on organic standards, GMOs, chemicals, recommended safe products, and much more. You are listening to Living Natural Today, out with toxins, in with your health. To reach Teresa or her guests on the show, please tweet using hashtag LNT Radio. You may also send an email to radio at livingnaturaltoday.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back as we continue at Living Natural Today, out with toxins, in with your health. I'm your host, Teresa Jungling, and today we've been talking about eating gluten-free. And now I want to get into some current events. Uh, Before I do that, though, I do want to mention that um, Kirsten did a great job explaining gluten-free and and different options that we have. Um, I also had another guest on a few weeks ago, uh, Kristen Voorhees from the National Foundation uh, for Celiac Awareness. So you might want to go back and and listen to that one, too, as we... um, went into more in depth a little bit about what celiac disease is and, and, and what can trigger it and, and testing that can be done and things like that. So these are two great, great resources for you. But as always, you know, be sure to follow me on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus, And, you know, I constantly with these current events that we're going to go through, I, I constantly try to share articles and resources to keep you abreast of what's going on regarding toxins and our health. And you can find those links to my social media account by going to my website at livingnaturaltoday.com. Now, since we've been eating about, or I'm sorry, talking about eating gluten-free around this time of the year, and for the fact that I have problems with wheat, and I wanted to mention some things in the news recently about food allergies. You know, I was so saddened to hear about a a boy named Chandler Swink. He's a a 19-year-old, and he's local here to us in Metro Detroit. He recently died of a peanut allergy, and he had been living with this allergy since he was two years old. And he ended up dying the night before Thanksgiving, unfortunately. Um, while he was at a friend's apartment, he was accidentally exposed to peanut butter cookies. And so he injected himself with his EpiPen, and he drove to the hospital, but he collapsed outside of the hospital and then died seven days later. Now, his parents are they're wanting to convince people to take peanut allergies seriously. Um, they're, they're fighting not only for more awareness of the food allergies, but for regulatory changes affecting pr- food production. And then in an article titled, Food Allergy Epidemic, A Breaking Point, the author speaks about two others who died in November due to food allergies also. Joseph Dinacala was seven years old from New York, and he had um, severe allergy to milk. And he went trick-or-treating on Halloween with his father. And then afterwards, they went to a pizza party with um, some family and friends, and he had a severe reaction. And then he died a few days later. And you know, according to his dad, he didn't eat any of his allergens but he possibly could have gotten exposures via cross-contamination or airborne food allergens. Um, and then there was Jamie Mendoza. He's a 16-year-old from Wisconsin, and he had a known peanut allergy, and he accidentally ate a peanut butter cookie by mistake, thinking that it was a chocolate chip cookie, and he uh, died a month later after going into cardiopulmonary arrest and having a brain injury. So, um, you know, this is so upsetting to hear this, and, and, you know, food shouldn't be killing us like this. So we need, to, we need to take these allergies very seriously. Local here in Metro Detroit, too, but it's got a national exposure. Um, there's another story about a school board member 
who made a comment during a school district board of education meeting where they were discussing the USDA requirements about snacks that are sold at school and whether those requirements apply to birthday treats. And one member in the audience mentioned that there were many students with food allergies, about one in every classroom. And I know that that is just, it's increased over over the years here. Um, but when that was said, one of the board members said, well, you should just shoot them and threw up her hands. Well, since then she's resigned. And, you know, I, I know food allergies can be a pain. And for um, those of you in the school district, um, I know it's, it's got to be difficult. And, but they are life-threatening and they should be taken seriously. So I can't imagine being a kid with life-threatening allergies. And I know how difficult it is as an adult, you know, and having to scrutinize everything I, I have to eat. So, you know, we need to take them seriously. Food allergies affect one in 13 kids now and, and so many more than they, they used to. And I, I believe there's reasons for that, which will be a topic for another show. But either way, we have to take these seriously. Now, I want to uh, give you an update about the Oregon Measure 92, the GMO labeling, and the recount's been underway. And they have found 4,600 ballots have been found that are not being counted by elect- election officials. So with that being said, I've heard this week in an email that I received that the Yes on 92 team is joining with several Oregon voters to file a lawsuit in circuit court on behalf of more than the 4,600 Oregon voters whose valid ballots are not being counted. These voters signed and submitted their ballots on time, correctly following all instructions provided on their ballots, but their votes are currently not being counted because election officials say the signatures on the ballot envelope do not match the signatures on file, even though matching signatures aren't required by Oregon law. You know, many of these people, their signatures have changed due to illness or disability. Some never receive notification that their signature and their vote is being challenged, and others try to correct their signature mismatch with election officials, but still find their vote is not being counted. So, with that measure um, is so close and only trailing by 812 votes, these 4,600 votes could definitely make a huge difference. So continue to um, stay tuned on that. So I also want to mention that today there was a hearing scheduled for the DARK Act, that's what we're calling it, but it's um, the Safe and Accurate Food Labeling Act. And it was being discussed today um, at a hearing for the Health Subcommittee on, on Capitol Hill Um but don't let that nice name of the act fool you because it's it's being dubbed the dark act by those who support uh, GMO labeling. And it's keeping us in the dark as to, to what's in our food, unfortunately. And from what I've read, the bill would block any federal or state action to require labeling of foods made with genetically engineered ingredients. And in addition, it would not only tie the hands of the USDA <coughs> and the FDA <coughs> excuse me, to compel companies to disclose these ingredients, it would also tie the hands of state governments and preempt state law, erasing all the laws that have been passed in states which already have labeling laws. So this is important, and the um, I know that the um, Organic and Consumers Association was holding rallies in Washington today, and, and busloads of people were going. So um, it will be interesting to hear the outcome of that hearing today, and we need to make our voices heard and, and speak up about that. So the other thing I do want to mention that we need to speak up about is in October, the EPA approved the use of a new pesticide, Inless Dual, uh, produced by Dow Chemical in six Midwestern states. And it's a dangerous mix of glyphosate, um, which is in Roundup, and 2,4-D, which is a component, a key component in Agent Orange. And so now the EPA is considering extending approval to 10 more states. And approving Inless Dual would be catastrophic for our food system. The government's own analysis found the 
approval could lead to an additional 150 million pounds a year of 2,4-D applied on all GMO crops. And this would pose serious risk to farmers and rural communities and our environment, um, communities living downwind of fields and, and farm workers and children in schools located near the fields. So this is a problem. So they, EPA is accepting comments on this decision until December 15th. So please make your voice heard and urge them to not register the endless duo herbicide in 10 additional states. And Friends of the Earth makes it easy to comment. And I've written an article on my blog, livingnaturaltoday.com, where you can get more information. So we are um, starting to come up to the close of our program. And I want to thank you for joining me today and for listening in. And I would like to thank our guests today, Kirsten Berman. And Kirsten can be found at, again, glutenfreegal.com. And I'd also like to invite you to visit my website at livingnaturaltoday.com and download your free resource guide about minimizing toxins. Hope you'll join me again next week as we discuss toxins and how to minimize them. Until then, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health. See you next week. Thank you for joining Teresa Jungling for this week's edition of Living Natural Today. Out with toxins, in with your health. Please tune in again next Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll see you next week.